Welcome to the Base Path Podcast brought to you by New England Baseball Journal. I'm your host, Dan Guttenplan. Today's guest is the coach of the number three ranked JUCO team in the nation, Northern Essex Community College's Jeff Mejia. Jeff, thanks so much for coming in studio. Oh, thanks for having me. Appreciate the, all the coverage you guys give us. Thanks. Yeah, well, number three in the nation, you guys are definitely deserving of it. Um, what do you think is going so well? How is it all clicking this year where you're um, doing so well so far? I think right from the get-go, this, this group of kids are a bunch of competitors that want to get after it. Winning is very, very important to them. So I just think the team's really, really close. It's one of the closest teams we've had. Yeah, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, because you think of community college baseball, it's probably not as many four-year top players as you might have at a university, because a lot of these guys want to go play Division One baseball or even D2, D3 baseball. How do you think, I want to just go through kind of your resume here. Since you arrived in 2013, you've been New England Regional Champion six times. You've been the New England Regional Coach of the Year six times. How have you been able to sustain that success where on a roster that might have a little bit more turnover than most college coaches are used to? Yeah, we typically turn over 50% of the roster every year being a two-year school. So we just, as a staff, we try to get out to as many showcase tournaments as we can. Connections I've had that I've earned over the years or have cultured over the years with while I was coaching at Suffolk University. So I have a lot of contacts there as well. So we bring in guys. We try to, we really don't over-recruit. What we try to do is we try to find the right player that's going to fit in our system. And it's been successful. And we try not to fix what's not broke. So we just continue to do what we've been doing. Yeah, I do want to ask about the right fit, that that type of player you're recruiting. Because a lot of guys look at it, they want to go D1 right out of high school. Everybody seems to want to do that. But there's only so many spots. And, you know, with the way that college is getting so expensive now, it's twice as expensive as when I went 10, 15 years ago. And it's just, it's gotten so expensive. This does seem like a route where you can improve as a baseball player. You can get your views, you can get looks, and then maybe you're not, you know, going into debt as much. Who are the type of kids that you're looking for uh, at the high school level? So it's really all over the board. When I first got there, you know, we really were getting guys that didn't get the job done in the classroom Mm -hmm. out of high school, so they needed to go the junior college route before they could continue on. What I've noticed over the last five years, five or six years now, it's really changed a lot. For instance, we have our athletic banquet next week, and we have nine or ten baseball players getting academic excellence awards. So a lot of the things I'm looking for are guys that aren't getting the necessary opportunities at the Division One or Two level that they think that they are capable of playing at. The other ones, we do still get the guys that are already at that level but need to work in the classroom. One thing I did notice, which I like as a trend, is we're getting um, kids from more affluent neighborhoods that got into four-year schools that could certainly afford to go to them, but they're deciding to come to junior college first. They're getting two years of college done. They're transferring on to these four-year schools, and like you said, they're saving a whole lot of money by doing that. And at Northern Essex, our, our administration's excellent. You know, we the services we offer, we have a beautiful campus up in Haverhill, and, you know, they really get the experience they're looking for. Yeah. And do you think, uh, what I was wondering, I had a cousin that did this. They were, during the pandemic, early days of the pandemic, 
They were going to go to a four-year school. I think they were going to go to Northwestern or something like that. And that was going to be $75,000 a year. And the first year was going to be all remote. They were going to do it. They weren't even going to be on campus. And um, I w- and they, she ended up doing community college for a year because they were like, we're not paying seventy five grand for you to you know do it through your computer. Did the pandemic affect the way the recruiting at all, or the way that people um, were choosing to go to community college for a couple of years? Yeah, I would say, it, it, and it probably has. I haven't seen a lot of it on the the baseball end or the athletic end. Mm-hmm. Um, it helped us in a sense that when the players were going all remote, it gave us a lot more options to when we could practice, when we could work out, made it a lot easier. So it changed for us that way, the remote. I didn't necessarily have a lot of guys reach out simply because their four-year schools were going to go remote. They wanted to come to us. We did have a young man come up and transfer this year because his team didn't play. They canceled their season and we had a season. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think... The appeal is when you come to a junior college that's successful, you're going to have more opportunities when you leave us. And by not over-recruiting, you're going to get a chance to play um, in the fall because we have a full fall season as well as in the spring, which a lot of the four-year schools, because of rules, they cannot do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, now a lot of people probably aren't as familiar with the junior college route when so I know Division One, you see guys now recruiting uh, they, that are committing freshman year, sophomore year, and then D two, D three seems to be a little bit later. Junior, senior year, even guys are making those commitments. What is the timeline? When are you getting guys to commit? Yeah, so it's kind of all over the place, but for the most part, we're the last. <laughs> when they find out a lot of times during the senior season that. They're not going to be able to go to their dream school, mm-hmm. and they're kind of in flux. So we, we recruit a lot of seniors up until summer ball, midsummer. They're, they're after their senior season. We do have other, other players that have the foresight that they know they want to go to a junior college, usually after their junior year, and, and we get on them. But we're usually the last, we're the last in the, uh, the, the race to get yeah. the eyes. Did it take uh, some time to get used to that timeline? Because I know you've coached at uh, Suffolk and other places before. Was it an anxious time at first when you're going in and you're like, hey, I don't know who's coming in next year, but hopefully we'll get them here late in the game? Yeah, I remember they hired me. Uh, they had a, success, a successful season uh, the year before, and the coach departed. And they didn't hire me till I want to say, the beginning of October. So I had a week of fall ball. And uh, there was 11 guys on roster. So Ooh. that was a panic mode for certain. Thank goodness I got a good footprint in the travel ball in New England. So I was able to field a team that year that ended up being a World Series team, which was great. But that that showed me right away that, hey, it's going to be a late process. Stay in touch with as many players as you can, um, especially a lot of those players that commit to Division ones as freshmen and sophomores a lot of times things change by yeah. the time they get to their four-year school, which for one reason or another, it ends up not being a fit. And we're a great place where they can reset. Come in, reset, let's get you back on the right path. As long as you're playing at a junior college where the coaches and administrations know them, it's a great opportunity for guys to reset. And you said 10 guys were recognized for their academics. What type of support do you provide to make sure they kind of get back on that right track? We have, right from the get-go, some of these guys don't need any of the support. We've been getting guys, uh, we have one, one of our players this year that's playing with us, was, got into WPI out of high school. He certainly doesn't need as much academic support as some of the other players. But 
at our school, we have a thing called academic coaching. We make it mandatory for all our baseball players to sign up for that. It's kind of like, I don't know if you saw the TV series. Last Chance You. Yeah, Last yeah. Chance You. They had the, the lady that followed kids to school class. Yeah. It's not as intense as that, but it's similar. They keep them on track. They help them manage their time, which I find is the biggest adjustment from a high school to a college academics career. So we offer that. We have great tutoring programs at our school, and we stay on them. We get alerts if, if they're not going to class, and that, which is never an issue with us. But if they maybe failed a test or maybe their paper, paper they turned in isn't up to stuff, uh, we get alerts on that. We get on it early. And we stress from day one that you're here to try to go on to a four-year school. If you don't get your associate's degree, you're limiting your options, right. and you're costing yourself a lot of money. I tell them all the time that C- minus is the worst grade you can get with us because it doesn't transfer. It means you passed it, but you're going to have to retake it when you leave us. So you know, we try to go 3-0 is our, is our standpoint. Yeah, you're right. That is a that's an expensive uh, mistake if you have to do it over again. Now, like you said, the goal for everybody is to move on, play at a higher level, or get their degree from a four year college. Do you sit down individually with each guy when they come in and say, "Hey, what are you? What would you like to get out of this program? What What can we help you with?" Yeah, absolutely. We're constantly meeting with our players. Our players know where they stand with us at all times. We. Tell them we take the policy of being brutally honest with them, whether it's their baseball ability or in the classroom. And it's real important to know where they're at coming in. We have kids that are coming right out of high school that weren't qualifiers, which means they got, they got to achieve a lot more academic than someone that comes in that was a four-year qualifier out of high school. Mm-hmm. We have some players that transfer from other junior colleges, so their path is different. Then you have which we've kind of fallen into a good niche right now with these four to two to four-year transfers, meaning they started out at a four-year school. Now they're coming to a two-year school. So in order to go back to a four-year school, you have to meet certain criteria. So we want to know every one of our players so we can put them on that path. Our academic advising team and registration, um, Stephanie Weir is in charge of that. She is fantastic. Me and her have worked really good since my nine years there mm-hmm. and we have it dialed in really well to help them so we they know like if they don't get it done academically it's it's on them they have all the resources in the world at northern essex now in terms of juggling because most co- college coaches they get their guys they say hey we need you to buy in for four years we need you to be a part of the program how do you juggle or balance the fact that most of these guys do want to move on but you still want to win games, you still want to win national championships. How do you get them to fully commit to the team and the camaraderie aspect of it? First thing is I had to embrace the fact that this generation is very, they want to be rewarded right away. Mm-hmm. And they have a lot of goals. I'm not the coach that's going to get upset with a kid having goals. I want all my players to have goals. I don't care if the kid runs down the first base after getting a single and he can compute his new batting average. Mm-hmm. Great. I feel if all 32 of my guys reach all their individual goals, we're going to win a lot of baseball games. But we do stress from day one, we can never let those personal goals get over the team goals. Mm -hmm. And our players buy into that really well. And I think that's what makes us successful year in and year out is that the better our team is, the more opportunities each player is going to get. 
mm-hmm. 500 team or less than 500 team, you're probably not getting a lot of coaches coming to look at your games. When you start getting nationally ranked and you're starting to be a top three or four team in a region, you're going to get a lot of interest. And that motivates our players to, to put the team winning first. Mm-hmm. And what's the schedule like? Because I don't hear, I know you guys are always in the mix in terms of national rankings for JUCO, but you don't hear a lot of other New England schools that are as competitive. What is the schedule like? Who are some of your rivals and how much travel are you doing in the season? Yeah, so we we always make an annual trip um, down to Florida. Obviously, the COVID year was the exception of the rule, but we we typically go down, we play in the Rust Invitational where there's teams from all over the country going down there trying to get warm. It's usually it's on spring break, so they're not missing class. Usually second or third week in March. So we'll start off there and we play. I treat it sort of like spring training, even though all the games count. Mm-hmm. Um, we play typically 12 games in seven days. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, we're going to, we try to get our top four pitches, two starts on full rest. So we space it out a little bit. Then we come back north and it's all up to the mother nature. We've been very fortunate. We try to schedule about 40, 42 regular season games. Looks like we're going to get about 38 in this year. As far as regionally, UConn, Avery Point, especially back when Roger Bidwell was the coach there, they produced, I believe they have eight guys that made it all the way up to the major leagues. Excellent program. CCRI was also in the same division with them. They've now dropped down to our division. They're always a good team. We just played them this weekend. They're actually, the last time we had a, region they won the region we lost to them and then Quinn Sigerman over the years have some pretty good teams and of course Massasoit had Tom Brazell there for years he won over 700 college wins he was fun to to coach against we definitely were uh, rivals for a little while but off the field uh, very friendly and then Holyoke's always has a, has a team and you just you got to play you know you got to play anybody and everybody and don't overlook anyone and much baseball. Anybody can beat anybody. Well, over the last couple of weeks, not everybody's beating you guys. And you've got a great success rate of getting guys to move on to bigger um, D1 programs, I should say. Or even, uh, I'm going to list some schools. I'm going to leave some out here, so my yep. apologies. But since 2013, you've had guys move on to play at University of Maine, Bryant, Maryland, St. John's, Hartford, UMass, Lowell, UMass, Amherst, Marist. Southern New Hampshire, Franklin Pierce, UMass, Boston, Salem State. Like I said, I'm gonna I'm gonna miss a few. But what? So once you establish those inroads with those coaches, is there a trust factor where they're gonna come back to you and say, "Hey, you gave me a great player, or gave me a tip on a great player at least," or and they're I know they're getting developing their skills. Is it easier to get guys recruited now after you've been there for nine years? Yeah, definitely. I think it started when I when I was at Suffolk, my first year as an assistant there. Kerry McConnell was the head coach. He's now the athletic director. First thing he did is he brought me to the American Baseball Coaches Association's annual uh, convention. And one of the things he said to me is, he goes, a big part of this job is networking. Mm -hmm. And always be honest with what you have talent-wise. And, you know, coaches will respect that. And I started developing that while I was at Suffolk. And then through my affiliation with Team Boston Baseball, which is, in my opinion, like, one of the best travel programs around, the coaches get to know me. And they understand that I'm going to be honest with them and I'm not going to you know, lie about a player. My evaluation could be off, but if it's off, they know it's coming out of a genuine place. So it's definitely gotten easier that way. A lot of times, and it doesn't happen often anymore because 
between videos and we play so many games, coaches come and see the guys. But on occasion, I've had guys go to four-year schools without the coach seeing them play based off our valuations to, to them, which is great. It's a compliment. It's hard sometimes because I have to have conversations with players who ask me to reach out to a certain school and I'm like, I'm, you're not there. I'll reach out. But do you really want me to make that phone call? Because I'm going to be honest. But it's definitely gotten easier over the years. I really appreciate the four-year schools playing us in the fall. That's mm-hmm. been a big part of this. We play University of Maine during the original COVID year where there was no season. We had three of our players go on to Division One schools, and we didn't even have a season. That says a lot of the importance of the fall. Mm-hmm. And all of those players played really well against Division One schools in the fall, which got them opportunities. The Base Path Podcast will be back after these messages. Looking to keep up with all the latest news and information on New England baseball? New England Baseball Journal and BaseballJournal.com are the premier resources for information and inspiration on the New England baseball scene. Have every issue of New England Baseball Journal, the magazine, delivered to your home or office. And don't forget to stay in the game every day with a digital subscription to BaseballJournal.com to receive baseball coverage on clubs, college commits, prep and high school, Division 1, 2, and 3 colleges, showcases, rankings, and much more. Get in the game and behind the scenes now by going to BaseballJournal.com. Just click on the subscribe button and start the subscription that is right for you today. New England Baseball Journal is a Siemens Media publication. Siemens Media. Inspiring. Informative. Insightful. Are you serious about playing your sport in college? Do you need a flexible education that allows you to maintain your practice and competition schedules while also preparing you to succeed at the next level? You should check out the University of Nebraska High School. UNHS is accredited and offers more than 100 online courses, including NCAA-approved courses to protect your academic eligibility. Students could earn a UNHS diploma or take a single course for transfer credit. Courses are college prep, self-paced, and available 24-7, 365. Enroll anytime and take up to a year to complete a course. Visit highschool.nebraska.edu today. I wanted to ask about the level of play because... I feel like it's gotten better uh, even at, at every level over the last few years because Division One there are fewer rounds in the draft now. Guys are staying for you know their fifth year. So I feel like Division One baseball has gotten a little bit more competitive. Division Two, Division Three, guys who may normally end up at Division One schools, they don't have roster spots, so they're at D2, D3. So I feel like that's gotten more competitive. And you've obviously seen all of those levels. Your son's at University of Maine. Obviously, you're scrimmaged them in the fall. What would you compare the level of play for Northern Essex? Yeah, it, it depends. It's hard to say because I think Division Three baseball in New England is outstanding. Yeah. And Suffolk's offense and defense this year, half of those players are Division One players. Then you have Brendan Ingerbrot down at UMass Boston. I see them play a lot. And now Roger Williams with Kevin Kelly, who I think – might be one of the best coaches at any level in all of New England. My, I give him a lot of respect for the job he does. So that being said, where I'm going to put us, we're probably going to have nine scholarship players this year. Wow. You know, between Division One and Division Two. Hmm. So if we have our right guy on the mound, 
yeah, I feel like you compete with anybody. Yeah. You know, I honestly do. I mean, I don't have the depth to win a series against a lot of the teams at the Division One or two levels. But I think on a good day, like I said, it's baseball. Yeah. Uh, we're rolling out quality arms. And I tell our players that if you want to be a Division One player, then you better be able to go and compete yeah. in the fall when we play Division Ones. Sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. But we're going to roll the balls out there and play anybody that's willing to play us, which is it's a lot of fun. Yeah, and that's a great opportunity for the guys because – that's the best way to get scouted, to do it against the team. You see a lot of guys, I know at UConn, uh, they have Ben Huber. He was at Limestone College, and he he just had a huge weekend against UConn down south when they were playing. And uh, Coach Penders was like, hey, we got to get this guy in here if he's available. And he, he did want to come back for a fifth year, so that worked out. In terms of development, um, I know some of these D1 schools, like you hear about Wake Forest and their pitching lab, and I know – you probably don't have this, those resources, but what does it look like, you know, for people who aren't as familiar with the JUCO route? What is your philosophy on player development and what uh, resources do you have to kind of invest in that philosophy? So the JUCO route is really a, a gritty route. It fits right up my personality in a sense where I grew up in Everett, which I think is the greatest city and the greatest country in the world. Yeah. You know, I grew up playing football in Everett and baseball, obviously, but you had to earn everything. And that's really the JUCO route. you got to earn it. We certainly have everything we need at Northern Essex to get you to the next level. Now, it may not be the Rolls Royce. You know, it might be a Hyundai. But, we're gonna, but we have the equipment to get you there. Mm-hmm. We don't have a lot of resources when it comes to some of the newest technology. I'm not opposed to technology. I like technology. I understand how to use it. Mm-hmm. But I'm not, and I don't over-evaluate based off tech numbers. We, we do it by hard work, sweat, and really getting after and, and eyeballing things a lot. We develop players. Our strategy in develop players is we want to make them the best that they can possibly be. We're not a cookie-cutter style coaching staff. For hitting, for example, we've been very successful. We've been in the top five probably seven of the nine years I've been there in batting average in the country. I have a few hitting individuals, we call them each player has to do when we start our hitting practices. But then after that, we always build in time for them to do a little bit of individualized. And within our hitting individuals, it doesn't matter what style you are. It doesn't matter if you're a leg kick guy, an open stance guy, a toe tap guy. You can do every one of our individual skills comfortably. Mm-hmm. And our biggest thing is we want – every player to, to be the best version of themselves. And I use I always use an example of a player I had a few years back was at Salem State now, led the country in hitting first. He walked in, and if you looked at his stance and his setup, just about everybody in America would have wanted to change this kid. Yeah, I took one look at his games and his batting practice and seeing him square up baseballs, I'm like, yeah, I'm not changing a thing this kid does. And he ended up hitting 500. So yeah, that's our things on the pitching. We're cautiously with our pitches, but we also let them go. And each pitcher has a program from us, but we also, it's very individualized. And I think as a coach, when I first started coaching, I thought I'd be more military style. Everything has to be a certain way. But one thing I learned from the military was being adaptable. Mm -hmm. And I think the key for us is that as a staff, we're very adaptable to our players. And I think our players respond well for it. They enjoy it. And you hear people more, all these 
travel programs now, they get all the the rap soto and all the new technology, and you're starting to hear people push back on it a little bit because the kids are just getting in the cage and they want the 100 mile an hour exit velocity all the time, and then they get in a game situation and it's situational baseball, and they're trying to crush it and yeah. get the hundred, and they're just supposed to move somebody over once in a while. You know, there's a situational aspect to it, so. Yeah, I think you can overdo the technology, like you said, and it's good that you guys are adaptable with the resources that you have. In terms of the transfer process, do your guys, so um, in the JUCO route, do they go into the transfer portal, or what is the process for kind of getting themselves out there to programs, uh, four-year programs? Yeah, so they're not in the transfer portal. What we do is we, like I said, we play the full fall season, which is fantastic, right? There's really... We're never going to meet our, our maximum games, so we can pretty much play all fall. So what we do during the fall is during those games, we're recording as much as possible. Plus, we inter-squad midweek. Those are some of our best games, our inter-squads. We put them on two separate teams. Mm-hmm. They're on the same team all fall, and they battle. So we're getting as much game film as we can. And then each player has the capacity. This is part of the technology I like. They can make a highlight that they can start to send out. We try to have our players narrow it down to about four or five schools that they're really interested in, and then a couple of schools that's maybe a little bit of a reach. We'll start by sending some emails to schools. We'll send them the videos. I'll follow it up with a phone call with the coaches. And if there's any interest, we jump on it right away. We jump on it right away. We want players to go visit schools before they they have to make a decision whenever possible. I've had players, I had my shortstop this year, he went down on a visit to a school, he had to miss two of our games because he's about to make a very important decision for himself. And as a coach, that's an easy way for me to have the players understand that I'm out there for their best interest. And it works out well. We reach out to coaches, and then you have to play good when they come and see you play. There's no magic Kool-Aid. You have to play good when they're watching you. And that's the same thing, you know, at the Team Boston Baseball when, when we're doing those travel programs. That's how we preach to our players. We're going to help you, but you have to play good. You have to put the time in, you know. I mean, to be flexible like that where you're allowing players to miss games, I think if someone's listening to this, parents, they're saying he's obviously putting the players first ahead of. 100%. uh, Yeah, that's great. You mentioned your military background. You served Iraq, right, at Operation Desert Storm? Yeah, Operation Desert Storm. I was uh, a 13 Bravo field artillery. Wow. So uh, my unit... I was stationed out in Fort Ord, California with a cohort unit. We did not get the call, but they needed 50 volunteers to backfill in the artillery. So I was able to attach to the 218th artillery out of Fort Sill, Oklahoma, which is where I did my basic training. I was over there for that. And actually, quick side note, that was kind of surreal. When we had accomplished our goals and we had won our mission, we were stationed at Baharan, the Kobar Towers, and... I saw a guy walk by with a patch, and I said, hey, would you happen to know an Eric Salemi? He goes, I'm the supply guy. Of course I do. I'll, I'll bring you over to him. Well, Eric's my nephew. Eric's oh, a year wow. older than me, but he's my nephew. And uh, so I got to see my nephew there, and it was, it was just surreal. And we're, we're tight to this day. He lives down in Virginia. and So I'm very proud. I tell my players, I'm not afraid to share with my players my past histories, my successes, and, and more of my failures. Uh, I want players to know that I'm human. And I do talk to him about the military that it was the greatest uniform I've ever put on and there will be nothing like that ever again. The honor of serving your country, it's, it's humbling for me that I was able to do that. 
Well, thank you for your service. I That's, appreciate that. Um, and I want to ask about the, the goals with the program because, you, like I said, it's been so consistent since you've been there and you're competing right now, number three in the nation. What's left to achieve and what's the ultimate professional goal for you? So every year we have the same goals. Our goals to win the national championship. Well, right. Before we can do win a national championship, we got to win the district. Before we can win the district, we have to win our region. And to go into our region, we want to be the number one or number two seed because we think that gives us a big advantage in a 14 double elimination tournament with our depth. So that's our goal one. Last weekend, we completed two-game victories over CCRI, so we, we're going to be the number one seed, so we accomplished that. Now we want to win that region, go on to play the New York City champs. It's looking like it could be Suffolk Community College. We've matched up before. They're very good. Um, it, that would be a two out of three. If we get through that, then you get to the Nationals and you want to see what happens. We made it all the way to the championship game one year. Lost 4-3 to three to a Tyler, Texas team that was in the midst of a four-game national championship run. But we feel we can compete with anyone in the country now. Certainly this past year in Florida, we played uh, two, divi- two top five teams, pre-ranked five teams. We went 4-1. and one. So we, we, we're confident that we can compete on the national level, and that's definitely the goal. Well, good luck. Last question for you. You mentioned Tyler, Texas. I don't know if you saw this. Last week, I think, there was a pitcher who ended up charging a guy. He was, he was taking a home run trot. I think he might have been talking trash to the pitcher. And the pitcher ended up tackling him on the third baseline. Right. And I wondered, is that is it, is it a trend in baseball where you're seeing more trash talk and more back and forth? Or is it everything's on Twitter now, so you see one instance of it and you're like, oh, man, this is happening everywhere, and, and it really isn't. Uh, what's your take on that? I, I think to that extent, so when the bench is clear, I think it's probably about the same as it always has been, except now everything's recorded and, right. and it's on TV. As far as the trash talk, and I think it's more now than ever. I remember, like I said, I played football and football on Everett. I remember one time my coach knocked me on my backside because I was acting up. And when I got into my car, I was met with a backhand from my father and split my lip open. Don't make your coach do that to you again. Hmm. That's certainly not the culture nowadays. And I think a lot of this generation, they're comfortable with they can run their mouth a little bit and there's no shot they're going to get into a conflict, right? Right. So I think the trash talking's more um, now than it has been. And certain players have never had to deal with that, so they implode at times. But I don't think it's any more than what it was before the the major situation. Certainly, that was an unfortunate situation. You know, I don't know that young man. I don't know any of his teammates. I'm sure he regrets his actions, and you know, I hope he learns and bounces back from that. Because at the end of the day, these are young men. Right. They, they're they're going to make mistakes. They should be allowed to make some mistakes. And you know, we're going to turn your back on everybody that makes a mistake. I don't yeah. think any of us would be here. Yeah, I mean, it's tough too because they catch that five second you know, snippet on Twitter, it's everywhere. And then I guess they kicked him off the team and who knows, you know, what his background is or, you know, what he was doing. But uh, that's unfortunate if your worst five seconds of your career caught on uh, Twitter at least, and then all of a sudden you're gone. So yeah, you're right. You don't want to be judged by that, but hopefully he rebounds. Well, coach, thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're in the middle of a 23 game winning streak, busy season. So I really appreciate you coming in studio. No, we, we really appreciate everything you do, all the coverage in New England. I'm a big New England baseball guy. I want to promote any New England baseball player I can. And 
that's one of the things, like, a lot of times when four-year coaches call me, they'll ask me about another kid from another junior college that we've played against. And whenever I can help a New England guy, that's kind of our philosophy at Team Boston Baseball. When we go to national tournaments, we don't take kids from all around the country. We take New England guys. Mm -hmm. And the job that you guys do covering them is outstanding, and it promotes baseball, which obviously I'm a big fan of that. Well, I appreciate you saying that. Uh, thanks to Coach Mejia for joining us in studio. Rate, review, subscribe to the Base Path Podcast on your preferred platform. Thanks to our producer, Steve Safran, for putting it all together. The Base Path Podcast is a Siemens Media production. <laughs>